You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back for another phenomenal interview with Chanel Tyler, who is just absolute career goals, skincare goals, lifestyle goals. I had so much fun talking to her, and she and I actually have so much in common. As we spoke, it came up more and more just how much we have in common. She is currently the strategy and partnerships creator lead for beauty and DE&I at YouTube, which is an incredible position. And we talk a lot about creators and the role that they're going to play in the beauty ecosystem. And she gives some tips for people that are aspiring creators that are really, really good. Definitely check that out at the end. But she's also known on Instagram as the glow expert. And she is always dishing out incredible skincare advice to her community. So I just like had to get into her routine. Like I want to know everything you're using Chanel morning and night. What are your favorite products? She also has a background working in the beauty industry and working to develop, you know, very expensive skincare at places like La Mer. And so I wanted to also hear from her. Is it worth the price tag? Some of these luxury skincare items, how much of it is branding? How much of it is the formulation? And we had a really interesting discussion around that. I think you guys are going to love this episode. Make sure you give Chanel a follow. I've linked to her Instagram in the show description as always. And other than that, I hope everyone's doing well on this beautiful February 2022. I feel like the year is moving along at a nice, slow and steady, even pace. And I am trying to take my time and put in moments of reflection and pausing. This morning, I went to get a vitamin drip at this really cool wellness space called, it's called Well, actually. It's in New York City. I did my first vitamin drip. It had calcium, magnesium, B12. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling energized. It's not something I've ever done before, but I think I like it. Apparently, you're supposed to have sustained energy over the next couple of days. So I'll keep you guys updated on all of that. Thank you for the support of this show. If you take the time to rate and review the show, it would mean so much to me or just tell a friend about Naked Beauty. All right, let's get into my discussion with Chanel. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. 
Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I am joined by Chanel Tyler. Welcome to Naked Beauty. Hi, thank you for having me. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on. In addition to being a content creator that focuses on all things beauty and skincare and style, you are also the strategy and partnerships creator lead for beauty at YouTube, which is an incredible role. So you and I have that in common, kind of working in tech. I don't I don't do beauty stuff at work. I do beauty stuff outside of work, but you know, we work <laughs> in tech. Yes. And you've also just built up this very loyal following around your product recommendations. Someone that I work with closely said, whatever Chanel recommends, it is like in my cart a second later. And that is incredible because it takes a long time over time to get people to trust your product recommendations. And I feel like the people that have garnered trust with their community have worked very hard to do so. So I'm excited to get just like the skincare download from you. You are glowing. You're also a new mom. Can we still say we're new moms? I, I like have a 17 month old and I'm like, I'm a new mom. I have a baby and people are like, he's a toddler. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think it feels new for quite a while. <laughs> Right. It feels new for quite a while. Um, but I'm really excited just to get into your background. So take me to the beginning. You grew up in Chicago? I did. Yeah. Born and raised. High Park. Nice. What was that like? It was great. You know, the High Park is definitely one of the more diverse neighborhoods of Chicago. So I would say like tr- traditionally, if you know anything about Chicago from a historical perspective, it's very segregated. Um, still is. However, Hyde Park was like this, like this one pocket that existed in the city where there were people from um, a lot of very mixed and diverse backgrounds. And so that's what I grew up around. And it wasn't until I got older and kind of got outside of that, I would say like that kind of secluded area that I realized how segregated the city actually was. And but growing up here was great. I mean, the winters are harsh. It's very cold. Now that we're going through global warming, not as cold, but um, it's, a, it's a wonderful city. I feel like the way Chicago is portrayed in the media is really like not the reality of what, what it is. It's like portrayed as being like this, like almost war zone, violent place. I don't experience that in like my day to day life um, and just think that it's a really magical city that there's still a lot of possibility here. There's things going on. It's It's got great restaurants and things to do and like things happening. So I love it. That's amazing. Well, I feel like I offended some people in Chicago. Last week, we were talking about Emily in Paris and the way Emily dresses in Paris. Oh. And people were like, well, she's a girl from the Midwest. She's from Chicago. Like, you can't expect her to have style. <laughs> and everyone was in my DMs like, no, don't do girls from Chicago like that. Like, we can dress. And I was like, fair, fair. Let's not put Emily's uh, outfit travesties on the city of Chicago. But yeah, Chicago is a fascinating place. Did you feel beautiful growing up? Did you feel like there were examples of beauty around you? There definitely were. Um... I don't quite know how to answer that I felt beautiful growing up um, because it wasn't necessarily something I thought about in the way that I think about it now. But 
I certainly felt like I had great examples in my life. I mean, my mom and my grandmother are two stylish, gorgeous women that passed um, quite a bit down to me in terms of like how you carry yourself and um, their fashion sense. And they're, you know, I would say they're both more a little bit more on the conservative side. And so that was something that I kind of ultimately did have to break out of once I got on my own. But, you know, they're two, two women that I look up to tremendously and have set a great example for like what it means to be like a lady in her, you know, in her own truth and to have that kind of power that, that comes with, you know, being a Black woman. I love to hear it. Now, you said they're on more on the conservative side. Were there battles growing up around, I want to wear this to the school dance or I'm ready to start wearing eyeliner? And they were like, uh-uh-uh, not so fast. Yes, yes, yes. Lots of that. Um, <laughs> there was a, a lot of commentary around like um, not wearing shorts, for example. Um, I don't think I wore shorts until actually I got to college. Wow. Yeah. My dresses always needing to be to like the knee and things like that because you don't want to be showing off skin. So yeah, I would I would say like those were the sorts of, you know, things that that I that I grew up with. And um, I'm still somewhat like a, a lot of that today. But I had to go through like a coming out of my shell um, when I was out on my own and, you know, doing a few things that my mom kind of looked at as being a little risque. But it was me, you know, trying to figure out who I who I was. And now you are a mom to a beautiful daughter. Do you feel like you're going to have similar boundaries or will you approach it differently? No, I'll approach it very, very differently. I want her to explore, discover, like do all the things to figure out, you know, what makes her feel her best and, you know, when she looks her best. I I definitely don't want to put any constraints around that. Yeah, that's beautiful. So you get to Spelman College in beautiful Atlanta Now, I'll speak for myself. When I did my semester at Spelman, I was very unprepared for the level of glamour that these girls were bringing (laughs) to the quad. Like, we'd take 10 steps over to Morehouse, and it was like a fashion. I mean, heels, lashes, nails done, hair done. I was unprepared. I was unprepared. How was your experience at Spelman? I mean, it's so hard for me to look at you now and imagine like you being unprepared, like you're like literally one of the most together, beautiful, like hair, hair is all the things. So, but, you um, know, you know, the girls at Spelman, it's another level. It's another level of the hair being laid, another level of the outfit. Everything matches. It's a whole thing. Everything. Everything coordinates. Everything. (laughs) Yeah. Um. You know, going to Spelman was like the best experience of my life. I mean, I, I will say I struggled my freshman year for sure. To your point about it being like a fashion show and everybody kind of putting on and it being like this very glamorous place, like that was a lot for me. Like I've always like had like a fashion sense and always been interested in that. But for the most part, like when I'm just going to class, it's like sweatpants, Uggs, a t-shirt and like looking crazy in the face. I mean, most of us didn't even get dolled up until it was time to step outside that gate and go and go see those Morehouse guys. I just realized we're talking about Spelman as if, I mean, everyone should know Spelman, but we should describe Spelman. It's an all-women's historically Black college and university. When was it founded? It's, I mean, it's been around for forever, like 18... 18- yeah, don't quote me on the on the year, and I I should know this, but definitely since the mid eighteen hundreds. Yes, and it's it's an incredible school, um, and you do have that sisterhood of it being all women. But as we're saying, there's Clark Atlanta University right next door, and then Morehouse, the all men's college. So there's certainly lots of opportunity to fraternize with the other sex. Okay, so 
you were saying. <laughs> Very many opportunities for that. <laughs> I, they they encourage it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, Spelman will always hold like a very special place in my heart. It it literally kind of helped me figure out my place in the world. It was the first time that I'd actually been exposed to like what the African diaspora is and what it means and learning a lot, having a lot more context around my heritage and all of the people that were involved to like get, you know, for me to be able to even have the privilege of being at this institution. So I just think they do, they do a great job of grounding you in that and like who you are and what your place is in the world and what your role is in the world. Um, someone's excellent for that. And then there's this, that sisterhood. Like I'm still very, very close friends with several of my Spelman classmates. And when we all get together, it just, it, it's one of those things where if you haven't gone and you're around a lot of us, you can easily feel like an outsider because the it's just like a culture that we all kind of come together on and, we, and there's experiences that only we understand. And so um, I love that it kind of felt like a, a sorority in a lot of ways. I agree. It's such a beautiful experience. Now, at this point in college, were you into skincare or you didn't have to think about it because you had great skin? No, you weren't into it. So I've um, battled with acne since I was a teenager. Um, I would say it started to clear up a lot. I, I went to like my, again, with my mom being like very like you need to be put together pretty much always. Um, I saw a dermatologist when I was in high school that helped me get my acne under control. So by the time I got to college, it wasn't that crazy. But by my senior year, I remember um, I had gained like a ton of weight. I was eating really bad because I was like had double the the, the course load um, and it started to like impact me a bit. But we didn't have social media then like comparisons weren't what they were now then. And so I don't I don't remember ever thinking about it that much. I know that I always washed my face and used a moisturizer um, that had SPF in it. And that was like my daily routine. Um, so yeah, the my love, I would say, and like passion for it developed much later. Okay. Well, you did a ton of school after college. You went to Columbia Business School. You had incredible internship experience. You interned at Louis Vuitton. Yes, yeah, I interned at Louis Vuitton. Mm-hmm. And then you found yourself at Estee Lauder for almost three years. Now, Estee Lauder, wow. Big company. I've heard that it's challenging to work there. It's not the easiest place. <laughs> what was your experience like? And what was it like <laughs> to work at a beauty company full time? And you can keep it real. I've heard it all. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm going to keep I'm, I'm just thinking because it's, <laughs> I, I feel very, um, there's like this duality that exists in terms of how I feel about it. So on one hand, like the thing that I ultimately that kind of started to give my life purpose and especially my career purpose was, you know, getting that job there. I remember like on like the first week of starting there after I came out of business school, things were just clicking. I mean, like the level of excitement that I had for what was being presented to me and like the opportunities that were there, it was just like nothing I'd ever felt before. I'd been around people who were like, when I go to work, like it doesn't really feel like work. Like I just really love my job. And I had never experienced that before. And so being there and being in that environment, it really, it, it, brought that out of me for like the first time. And that was exhilarating um, in the beginning. However, what I will say is the, the culture was very tough for me. While I was able to like find my tribe and find like really amazing women and have great mentors while I was there, um, I definitely struggled with feeling like an outcast or an outsider 
quite a bit. I felt like it was kind of just to keep it all the way real, a bit of a mean girl sort of culture where like if you're in, you're in, but if you're not in, then you're just not in. And there was like a lot of kind of microaggressions and like passive aggressive things that would happen there. There was even one point where a senior leader told me um, that the brand didn't feel, not not the Estee Lauder brand, but just like in, in general, I'm not going to name what the brand was, but didn't feel like Black women represented luxury. And I remember feeling like offended, deflated by that and just kind of like, how do I even respond to this, right? And so um, as, as, as a Black woman who works here in a luxury world that is pushing for more diversity, you know, in, in, in the campaigns and in the marketing and in the casting. And so it just kind of became um, a place where I just no longer felt like it was for me and that they really needed to do a lot of work to grow and transform. Um, but, but what I will say is I grew a lot. I learned a lot. I had amazing managers and mentors while I was there. And I got a chance to drive a lot of impact that I'm very proud of. That I feel like it's all about, and I, this, is, this can be said for anywhere, it's all about having like the right manager and the right colleagues that can build you up and keep you motivated and keep you pushing forward. Um, and ultimately, I landed on a team there that did that. And it was probably one of the you know, between the job that I have now and that job, two of the best jobs I've ever had. Yes. Well, I, I saw that you did multicultural marketing strategy for La Mer, which is very interesting to me that they segmented that out. How did you help them think about speaking to, I would presume, women of color about their product versus just general marketing? Yeah. So a lot of what I worked on um, was really about like taking insights that we knew about like physiology and like beauty behaviors and figuring out how to make them relevant brand by brand. And so that was like a core part of my job. And so I'll give you like a, an example. So the La Mer Concentrate, one of my colleagues, like we, we had a really long conversation about this and it ultimately be, has become like my favorite product that I talk about a lot. The concentrate is going to mean different things to like different consumer segments in terms of what your marketing approach should be. What I knew is that Black women or women of color typically like over index and having a lot more skin challenges. So like hyperpigmentation and, and acne and also tend to use a lot more makeup products, just a lot of products and tend to do a lot of layering on our face. A lot of that is because we need to, right? It's like we have to mix four different foundations to get the right shade for us. We have to like mix four different lipsticks and lip liners together so that it looks good. It's like a lot of times Black women buy so many makeup products because we're like blending multiple things for that perfect match. Yep. No, you're 100% right. And so we started talking like, what if we market this particular product in, in a different way? Let's not really call it a serum or a treatment. Let's talk about its uses as like a primer to create a really smooth canvas for makeup application. Let's talk about the fact that it can actually help treat and um, get ahead of hyperpigmentation and breakouts. Like, so basically it was like a messaging kind of communication shift along with like partnering with influencers that could deliver that message. So that was sort of like a, a big part of what I worked on there, in addition to helping them along with my one of my colleagues that I just love, love to death, my colleague Shari, um, we came together and basically launched um, several cohorts of 
like what we called like influencers of cover, color or um, devotees. And we focused on Black women and Latinx women. And we basically brought them into the fold to work with them directly on our product launches, doing gifting, doing different activations and events. And that was the first time the brand had ever done anything like that. And it was hugely successful and has gone on to really actually show that Black women specifically can afford a $300 moisturizer. They're willing to spend on a $400 serum. So we were able to actually develop metrics from these partnerships that, that showed that we were a market that they should actually be targeting and penetrating. And it has grown, you know, significantly since then. So it's, it was great to kind of, kind of see that. I love that. You have really, for me, touched on two very important topics that I want to get into deeper. I think the first is these very expensive products like La Mer and Dr. Barbara Sturm, I'm going to put in this category as well. I recently got the La Mer cream gifted and I really like it. I do like it. Just that overnight moisturization cream. It feels great on my skin. Do you like the the moisturizer? Yes, love it. And the renewal oil I like too. I struggle with recommending it. I also love the Dr. Barbara Sturm products. I think you're a fan as well. I love the just the very plain moisturizer. And it's these products are very plain. There's not like bells and whistles. It's not like, oh, I used it once and I woke up and I'm like, my skin is new. It's very gentle but effective products. What I struggle with is recommending products that are so expensive to people and saying you need to go out and spend your money on it. Now, I know you influence a lot of people to spend money. How do you think about recommending products that are at that $300 price point? I'll be honest. like I don't think about the fact that like this has this heavy price tag. What I, what I try to do when I approach my audience is I talk about investment, right? I'm like, in, skincare to me is investment in your time. It's investment and like discipline. And then it's also investment in products. Now, that does not mean that everything that you buy or everything in your routine or anything in your routine needs to be expensive. It just need, to me means that you are actually carving out time and dedicating time to self-care in those three areas. And so I always make sure that I am giving people a range of options based on what their budget is. I am like so aware. And if I if I didn't get gifted a lot of things, I wouldn't be able to like, you know, afford, you know, constantly replenishing like a yes. four or five hundred dollar face cream. But a lot of the women that follow me do have very high income levels and they can't afford these products. And so I try to do my best and I, I will only recommend things that I know work. You know, I've because I've been in the beauty industry, you know, at, I would say, one of the, the greatest beauty companies in the world, I've been on the product development side. I understand formulation. I understand what ingredients are really good for nourishing the skin. And so when I make a recommendation, it's because I've done my research, because I feel like it's worth your money, because, you know, $500 or $400 or even $300, $100 is a lot of money to spend on a product. And so when I make a recommendation, I always want as much as I can for people to feel like they got their money's worth. And what I ended up finding was folks were out here buying the La Mer Concentrate. Folks were out here buying the Dr. Sturm $300 hyaluronic serum, like in like boatloads. And so that, that was just like an awesome, an awesome feeling. And people will always come back and be like, this product has done wonders for my skin. So I'm going to keep buying it. And so that's what I'm a fan of. Investing in the things that you know really work for you. 
Yes. Now, do you think that there's a correlation between how expensive a product is in terms of the quality of the ingredients and how it pays off on your skin? Or do you feel like a lot of times people will buy something that's very expensive thinking that it's great? And if that same product was like available to them for half the price and without the branding, they'd be like, it's just okay. Because I always wonder about that, right? Like how much of the psychology gets into, I don't know. No, that's a, that's such a good question. I think it's a combination of both, right? So I think that it varies brand by brand. Like because I've been on the Lemaire product development side, I know like it's not just about the ingredients, it's about the process that they take. It's about where the ingredient, ingredients are sourced from. It's about how they create that miracle broth and all of the the multi-year process of like R&D that goes into producing something like that, right? And so and then you're actually able to see those results on, on, on your skin. I absolutely feel like there are, are a lot of substitutes for things, especially when it comes to like raw ingredients, right? Like I would say hyaluronic acid is, I have probably maybe seven or eight hyaluronic serums. I, lo- I love them all. Just because that's a very simple ingredient to me that can cost $20 or $300 depending on how much you want to spend on it, right? So it varies. So do you have the Dr. Barbara Sturm darker skin tones hyaluronic acid? Yes. Okay. I have it. I love it. Now, if you can't afford that one, what's your like next best favorite hyaluronic acid that's at a more accessible price point? Allies of Skin. Um, so they are an Asian brand um, that is growing very rapidly. Um, I've been partnering with them and using their products for maybe a, over a year now. And they make a hyaluronic antioxidant serum that is incredible to me. Um, Not only does it deliver on like the hydration benefits, but it's got antioxidant properties and it also protects your skin from environmental aggressors and stressors and like anything that could potentially cause damage. And it's got a really nice kind of thick texture, but absorbs very easily. So that to me is is another, I think I'm pretty sure it's under $100. What, in your opinion, are like the most expensive skincare items that are actually worth the price tag? The Fitness Daughter Botanical Serum. You know what my favorite part about that oil is? The way that it smells. It's like this ceremonial, like it is like this, like every time I like take out that black bottle and I like rub the oil into my hands and then press it onto my face, I'm like, ah. Mm -hmm. And when people talk about not liking fragrance and skincare, I'm just like, I just can't relate. It's like such a part of the experience (laughs) for me. Yeah. No, I'm I'm so with you. It stimulates the senses and like fires off something that makes me feel like, oh, I am giving my skin the most and I love it. I'm I'm with you. That's the smell. I typically use it at nighttime just because to me it is more of oil than a what I would classify as being a serum. And I already have kind of like an oily T-zone. So that sometimes just makes me a little bit more shiny than I than I want to be. But I put that on before night and I'm like, oh, this is about to be bedtime luxury. Like it's just the best experience. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. The La Mer Concentrate, you're also a fan. Yes. Um, huge fan. And also the um, La Mer has like this Genesance line that is very, very like their top kind of like luxury family. Um, it's like its own, almost like its own brand within the brand. I didn't even know about this. Yeah, there's a treatment lotion that they have with like within that line and it is so good for like any inflammation and the skin. It's good for give the skin a really hydrated boost. I I I do get like so certain like derm procedures done as well as going to like an esthetician um for things that where my skin needs a bit of healing and it speeds up that process. So I really love that. 
I would say the for Dr. Barbara Sturm, I actually really love the brightening serum. That has worked really well for me when I have um, when I have like hyperpigmentation going on. And I like that Dr. Stern specifically focus, focuses on inflammation, right? Like everything that she does is rooted in like getting rid or suppressing inflammation in the skin. And I think that she's really woven that through, especially her line for skin of color. And so any of her products to me, like I typically flock to just because my skin gets can get inflamed really easily. And I feel like her products along with Lemaire have very much so helped stabilize it. So I think that those are those are the ones that come to like immediate mind. I've recently gotten hooked to the Chanel La Mousse uh, cleanser. And that one is a goodie. If you want to spend a little bit more and have like a luxury cleanser. <laughs> I'm playing Saucy Santana material girl in my head right now as you're talking about these products. Like you are getting into the expensive, exp- I, I have not even gotten into Chanel skincare, but you know, the question and my husband is very quick to ask me this question. He's like, if you just washed your face every night with like a CeraVe cleanser and put on CeraVe PM, do you really think your skin and, and sunscreen every day, like an Avena, like a drug. Do you really think your skin would be that different? And I'm like, maybe not. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think your skin would be different? I mean, CeraVe has got some excellent products, especially for people <laughs> that have sensitive skin. So like, you know, there's, there's like no shade there. Like I've used quite a few products from them. Um, and a lot of their hydrating cleanser is excellent. I think that it's hard to say because I, to me, I look at it as like long-term payoff, right? Like if I wasn't using this product, would my skin look the way that it does now? Would it feel the way that it does now? In 10 or 20 years, would I show signs of aging? You know, and, and if I think my whole thing is not about like necessarily anti-aging, it's just about aging gracefully. So would I age less gracefully if I didn't use these products? You know, would my skin be as stable as it is if I didn't use these products? Or would I be having, a, having an acne you know, outbreak every, every other day. It's hard for me to answer because that has become, these products have become so integral to my routine and my beauty behavior. So I'm not sure, but I do know that people that um, are part of my, like, you know, my followers and my glow community, like I said, I always recommend like a range of products based on what somebody's budget is and, you know, or what they're willing to invest. And people across the spectrum have had seen significant improvements with their with their skin, no matter if they're buying the $300 serum or buying the $20 moisturizer, you know? So so I don't know. It's one of those things where it's, it's, for me, it's hard to say because I use, a, I use both. I use both sides of it and I'm very happy with where my skin is. And so I'm going to keep doing those things. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what my analogy is? I'm like going to the gym. Like if you go to the gym every day and you work out and you do weights and you do cardio, I feel like you're body is physically going to be in better shape than if you just did like the bare minimum. So I just like do the most with my skin and I feel like my skin rewards me in in return. Now, what are your favorite products for someone on a budget? You're just at the drugstore. You want to just get some like inexpensive, or it could be something you order online, but what are your like wow products that aren't expensive? Oh, the REN Skincare Glow Tonic is like my ish. I absolutely love it. It's the product that I've been using the longest and just feel like it's something that everybody should have in their, in their routine. I just, I mean, I love it. It's just, it does exactly what it is. It makes you glow. It helps even the complexion. It exfoliates the skin. Everybody needs exfoliation. So like, I'm a huge fan of it and under 40 bucks. I think that that's great. Um, I may be messing up the name of this, but La Roche-Posay, they also to me make amazing products. They have a hyaluronic acid and a cleanser that I think 
are better than than most products in the in the luxury world. So those are those are I would say my favorites and Avene or Avene, the the French brand. They make a kind of like hydrating spring mist that I always keep on deck with me in the summer because my skin gets dehydrated very, very easily. And that mist is just not only is it refreshing, but it just gives your skin like that bounce that yes. we all love to see. Um, so I would say those, those are probably like some of my favorites. Okay. I love it. Now I have to hear your skincare routine. Do you want to give me your morning routine or your nighttime routine? We can talk about nighttime. I want to know what sunscreen you use day to day because that's a big topic, but I want your full nighttime routine. All right. So nighttime, I start with a usually like an oil cleanser. Um, just that oil cleansers to me are very gentle. They don't strip your skin of any like moisture or any of like the essential oils and they get all of the day off. So really love. Um, so I start with like an oil cleanser. Which oil cleanser are you using? You've got to drop the product so that we can all buy what you're recommending. <laughs> oh, um, the oil cleanser that I'm using is actually by, um, God, is it fresh or, sorry, I switch out products a lot. So it's hard. It's, sometimes it is hard for me to remember. I believe it's by fresh. So let's say oil cleanser by fresh. And then I, my second product is, is a toner. So I always use toner in the evening um, because if you're using it in the daytime, you can definitely expose your skin to damage, especially if you're not wearing SPF. And shockingly, a lot of people don't wear SPF. Um, so I use my toner in the evening because I feel like that caters to like the mode that my skin is in. So in like the evening, that's when your skin is like regenerating, it's renewing, it's resetting, it's going through that cellular regeneration process. And so toners like help and aid that process. Which toners are you using? And oh, the Ren Glow Tonic. Sorry, the Ren Glow Tonic. Okay, because you know, uh -huh. you know, I'm like, I need the brands for everything. And so, are you putting it on a cotton pad? What's your? Because I just got these like reusable pads from Paula's Choice, actually, that I'm obsessed with. And you just like throw them in the washing machine, and they come out nice and clean. Or do you use a cotton pad? What's your like method of applying the toner? Yep. So I have like a whole bag of disposable of like washable. Um, cotton pads. I guess you can call them a cloth pads. And so I go back and forth between using those and usually using the actual disposable ones. So I use that to, to apply it. Um, sometimes like if I just want to get more of it on my skin, I'll just pump it into my hand and just pat everywhere. Yes. Pat it in. I think a great thing about adding toner to your routine is sometimes you wash your face and then you do toner with one of those pads and you see dirt and particles on that pad and you're like yeah. yeah and you're like oh i washed my face normally i would have just gone on to like layering on my skincare but as i can see from this stuff i was my face wasn't even clean yep yep it's that it gets it gets that all the things that you missed and i did forget a step sorry i used the clean skin towels every single time i cleanse my face morning and night like i have been doing that for four years and it has been a game changer with my acne Okay, wait, wait. What are clean skin towels? Why don't I know what this is? Yeah, so they are basically biodegradable, like quote unquote unquote wash disposable washcloths. Um, it's kind of how I will describe them. They have a bamboo version and then like a more of like a cotton version, and they have two sides. There's one very smooth side and another side that's got a little bit of texture, and so it's very it's exfoliating. 
but super gentle. So what I'll do is let put the cleanser on my face, let it sit for at least 60 seconds. That is like my rule um, because that really helps helps the cleanser actually work and get into your skin and lift all the dirt and debris out. So you're getting a, a better, deeper clean. And then I take the towel, warm, you know, run some warm water on it and use it to extract everything, all of the cleanser um, and dirt and debris from my face. And I do, I use a new section every time I've touched my face. So it's like never any dirt going back on. Wow. Like I know it's like a process, but like, I'm like, do not want to go back to my acne prone skin. So I'm like real diligent about that. That is amazing. The La Mer treatment lotion is my, is my go-to. I've been using that for a really long time and just basically it primes the skin for the treatment step. So it helps to hydrate the skin. It kind of t- makes you treat your skin like a sponge. So like if you're, if you think about a sponge, it absorbs a lot more when it's wet than when it's not. And so that treatment lotion basically just kind of like helps prime your skin um, and gives it the moisture level that it needs for your serums to really penetrate and work for you a lot better. Yes. Now I know you've moved, you've moved on from the company. You're at YouTube now. Does Lemaire send you products and recognize your influence in the beauty space? Um, yes, they do. They do still send me product. <laughs> that must feel good, right? Yeah, no, it, it does. It really does. Um, it's a lot of things that come full circle. Um, I've done quite a few partnerships with the, you know, the, the brands that are part of the company. Um, and a lot of people that I did work with have, have moved on, um, since I was there. So I'm always kind of going through changes, trying to figure out like, okay, who, who do I need to get in touch with? Um, I need, I need my stuff, but <laughs> um, it's been it's been great, like watching that relationship transform. Yes, I want that woman who said that the client didn't think that black women represented luxury to somehow like come back into your life and be in a position to be like clamoring for you to do a brand partnership so you can be like. I know it was just it was like it's, I will never forget that conversation like for the rest of my life I will never forget that and so and I have made it like my personal and professional goal to prove that we are. Like, I'm like, listen, we spend the money. We are luxury. Like we spend the most money in luxury. Like that's what it's about. Um, So that's kind of like every, everywhere I go, I'm always like being like, if you say, say anything even close to being related to this, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yes. And we're getting derailed from your your nighttime skincare routine. But I, I want to touch on this more. We're going to come back to it. But this idea yeah. about Black women deserving luxury, I think is so important. I recently um, interviewed Jackie Ina, not for this podcast. I wish it was for something I did at work, but she talked about starting her an iconic YouTuber, speaking of YouTube and beauty, but she started talking about starting Lavishly Jackie, her like kind of new Instagram account all about lifestyle. But she said that it, she was basically having all these reflections about, you know, watching all of these white women do their Chanel unboxings. And I got this Hermes bag and saying like black women want to see this too. Black women deserve luxury. We deserve to spoil ourselves. We deserve to spend money on nice things, money that we've worked very hard for. And I do think that it's important that black women see themselves reflected in just like luxury beauty products and fashion products. Do you feel like we're going to see more of that in years to come? Do you feel like we have a long way to go? I do still feel like we have a ways to go, but I think also think we've started to make a lot of progress. I think there's so many more influencers, Black influencers now that are really pushing that agenda. And I love it. I love to see it. I think that a lot of times, and what I've also heard, I love Jackie, hands down, um, work with her, you know, a decent amount in my job. And she's literally been like a huge in- inspiration for 
Black women in beauty for a really long time. And Jackie does the work. I love that she started that channel. I love that she's she's leaning into that because she is creating space for other for that to be okay for other Black women. I've heard a lot from like just female creator, Black female creators in general that they sometimes their audience will sometimes start to say like they are feeling like alienated from them and you know like like oh now that you got you've got money like this is not where you started and they feel like it's not you know it's disingenuous or it's not authentic or that like it comes sometimes come with a negative connotation and what i'm now seeing black influencers speak out a lot more about is like this is proof of like how hard i've worked you know i deserve to treat myself i deserve to have nice things i've worked hard for everything that is in front of me and so i think that that is the narrative that I'm seeing come across a lot more. Um, and it, that's the, also what I try to preach to my audience. Like, it's, again, it's not about necessarily needing to have or spend or go out and buy a Chanel bag or, you know, get a pair of Bottega Veneta shoes. It's really about just figuring out how to integrate luxury into your life, whether that's an experience, whether that's going out to a nice restaurant, whether that's taking a nice bubble bath, just doing things that, make you feel luxurious. Like when one girlfriend, Maya, is always talking about luxuriating, that is how I try to live my life. And that is like what I try to try to like, you know, encourage and really like let my community know too. Like it's this is okay. Like there's nothing wrong with wanting to luxuriate and then doing that in it. It looks different for everybody. So I think that we've got a ways to go, but I do think that the industry, fashion, beauty included, are definitely starting to, to take recognition to it. And, and we're seeing that happen. Yes, I love that. I'm so happy we went on that tangent. Okay, your toner's on, your treatment lotion's on. What, what are our final steps? So now we've got our serums um, and, our, and our moisturizer. So the, the Dr. Barbara Sturm Night Serum is one, hands down one Girl, of my favorites. You've got every... But you know, but you know what? I, and I have to say this about Dr. Barbara Sturm. I love their team. I think they have one of the best PR teams. I think their marketing team is so on it. They are very generous with gifting. And I think they've really gone out of their way to embrace Black women as advocates for their brand. So yes, the products are good. But I also feel like every time I talk about them, I also want to say a lot of what people are recommending has been gifted. And they're very generous with gifting. But the product's also good. But I just always like to put that out there just yeah, for transparency. No, you're 100% right. 100% right. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because it, it's so true. I also use the Biro Bell Pepper Serum is absolutely one of my favorites. And then and then my moisturizer goes back and forth um, between um, Pharrell's line. I like really love the moisturizer. Oh, I love that humidifying cream. It's so oh, good. It's good. It's plain, but it's just good. It like does what it needs to do. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I go back and forth typically between that. And right now um, I've gotten into, I use the La Mer, the Creme de La Mer most nights, but there's this other moisturizer and I'll, I'll have to go look at what the name of it is, but it's like a collagen moisturizer. I'm pretty sure like it's under $40 and it is phenomenal. I mean, it just like, when after I've I've used it, I feel like I've like dipped my face in like liquid gold. I mean, it's just like a wonderful, wonderful moisturizer. Um, so that's that's pretty much my steps. And then if I'm feeling a little funky, I'll put a put put an eye cream on. And um, right now I'm using like the Ren um, brightening eye cream. It's great for you know just keeping the eye area hydrated, giving it a little bit of 
glow and like reflection, especially if you struggle with like dark circles. And then that's it. And then I go to bed. Love it. You mentioned that you get treatments throughout the year here and there. What what treatments have you invested in? Microdermabrasion. Um, I'm currently doing electrolysis because I'm very, very hairy. <laughs> By the way, I'm jealous of people that are hairy because that means you have gorgeous thick eyebrows and lashes. And that is way better than being hairless like me. Ooh, well, I never guessed that. And I also, I saw your, um, your, your story that I don't know if yesterday, the day before your hair, the, it looks amazing. I mean, my the blend is press. incredible. My silk press. No, literally like I went on to the page that you did when you tagged the brand and I was like, oh, this is, if, if when I get my sewing, I'm, I'm using this brand. You know, this is my first sewing since like 2012. I mean, who gets sewings yeah. anymore? But I'm like, I can't do the wig. Wigs are just very intimidating. Like the lace, the HD lace, the blending, the glue. I, I can't. I just, That's not the HD lace. <laughs> I can't do it. Braids, as a mom, you get it. Put in some braids, keep it moving. I love a box braid. And you have, you've got the highlights, you've got the length, it's super glam. Then I was just doing my wash and goes, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, let me yeah. try to get like a kinky straight texture that looks like my hair blown out. And let's see how it goes. So I'm on day five right now and I've been loving it. It's gorgeous. And it literally looks like 100% your hair. Like I would, I would never know. Thank you. Okay. I want to talk about, you talked about investments and I know you talk about fashion and style a lot and you have incredible style. How would you describe your personal style? And what do you think are pieces that everyone should invest in to build that like ideal capsule wardrobe? Oh my goodness. Thank you. So my personal style... It's not just like one thing. It, to me, it's like I, my style depends on how I'm feeling. So I can be like really kind of like Tom girlish where like I'm, I got the baggy pants on, a loose t-shirt, the boots or the sneakers, you know, or I can get like super glam. Like I, I really feel like there's a very wide spectrum. It's all based on like how I'm feeling and like what I'm inspired by that day. But I would say like if I had to categorize it, I, my, I really try to go for like comfort sheet. Like that, that is kind of like ideal for me. I don't always hit that, but that's my goal. The pieces that I think um, that I kind of prioritize investing in from like a wardrobe staple standpoint are want blazers, 100%, um, especially like a belted blazer. I have really gotten into like, I feel like um, Balenciaga brought the hourglass blazers back. And to me, that is a really not, not necessarily, I'm not, I can't afford a Balenciaga blazer, but what I love is that so many other brands like leaned into that silhouette. And to me, it's just very flattering, like on every shape. I also am a denim girl, love a good high-waisted pair of jeans or slacks, like drop brands, because I, I'm sure you have the same experience. Like you get pregnant, you gain weight, you give birth. Like, I do not know what size I am. I was shopping the other day. They were like, what size do you wear? And I'm like, hell if I know. Like, it's just, it's, it's been a roller coaster like, getting back in shape. Yeah. And I feel like I'm finally ready to like invest in pants, new pants. And I don't even know where to shop. So what are your go-to like denim brands? So I went through exactly like my lower half is completely different post-pregnancy or postpartum than what it was before I got pregnant. So I'm with you, girl, like completely. It's, it's, it's just been a struggle. I can't buy jeans online anymore. I literally have to go try them on in the store. Crazy enough, um, my leak 
earlier last year, or maybe this might've been summer last year, posted a pair of jeans that like fit so well. And I was like, James, I'm like DMing her like, please give me the tea. Where are those jeans from? And she was like, girl, you'll never believe they're from Abercrombie. And I'm like, like, I remember, yeah, Abercrombie, Hollister from like back in the day. No, they're bringing it. Like I I know that actually their CMO, I used to work with her at Ralph Lauren. They have an all new design team. Like, all, like they're killing it. They are crushing the game. Um, Their jeans have been working very well for my mommy bod. They make um a few of them that come back. I, I can only do high waisted. I can't do low riders anymore. I can't do hip huggers. Any like everything has got to come up because I have this mommy pouch now that I want to conceal or at least just feel support, you know, in that area. Now, what about bags? Because I have to ask, because, you know, your, your handle is buy me a Chanel. Are you a Chanel bag girl? Do you like every single bag I own is a gift? usually from my parents for like a birthday. Like I... Oh, that is wonderful. It's very wonderful. But like, I'm not even like a bag girl. I, I got like one bag this year, that Balenciaga Gucci like crossover. Um, oh, bag. yeah, yeah. Carrie yeah. wears it and then just like that. It's very cute. I like never leave the house anyway. So I haven't worn it that much. I've got like three bags. I've got like the Bottega. Um, what's that hobo bag called? Oh my gosh. See, I, the I don't... Jody one? The Jody. I have the I have the black, large black Jody. I have a red Chanel flap bag with like the caviar leather, and then that Balenciaga Gucci hacker bag thing. That's it. Yeah, the hourglass bag. Those are those are the excellent bags. I mean, you, you you've got versatility there already. I'm glad you approve. What are, what are, what are, what are the bags that you like? So I am a, a Chanel girl. I kind of feel like I had to be by nature of my name. My first Chanel bag was actually passed down from my mom. She had this black like mini bag um that she kept in great great condition over the years and um gave it to me when I graduated from college and um absolutely love it like I guess I went I had to I left my corporate job and went to business school where I was completely broke and went into debt funding my education and so when I came out of school I was making a lot less than what I was going into school on top of having a mound of debt um, that I had to pay for. And so there was a really long time where I wasn't able to, to treat myself um, in ways like that. Um, now that I have hustled and um, work in tech, which typically is, 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 a, is a better paying industry. Amen to that. Yes. Like they, you know, giving me my worth and my value and all of that. And then also, you know, having the privilege of being able to do campaigns. Um, I do try to like, treat myself a bit more. So I have a few Chanel bags, um, different types of leather, patent leather, caviar leather, and I love them. I, I'm really turned off by how these price hikes, these pricing. What are they doing? That have been happening. It's insane. I, I, I literally feel like it's like what everyone's been saying, like they're, they're competing with Hermes, you know, trying to compete with, with, with Hermes and make their bags super exclusive. Um, and it hurts. It hurts because it, it makes it very hard for me to justify spending that much money on on something. But I do think that the upside is that I once watched a YouTube video of somebody compare Chanel bags to the stock market and basically showed that like if you hold on to the bag for a number of years, you can pretty much outperform the stock stock market by, with the resale value of the bag. That is um, So I try to look at it like that and, um, you know, maybe buy one every couple of, you know, of years or something like that. Um, but, I, but I love Chanel. I want to talk about 
this amazing job you have and just like what it entails. Because I think so many people want to work in the beauty industry, but they also want the benefits of working in tech and having oftentimes like a, a better salary, but also just the flexibility to do more and have a greater scope. How would you describe your role at YouTube? What are you charged with? Actually, a lot of different things, all of which lean into the things I'm very, I'm most passionate about, which, which, which I love. So I was actually brought on to, brought into YouTube um, and within that partnership division to lead the beauty vertical. And essentially what that means is building like the beauty strategy for what that means for like our creator ecosystem and all of our beauty creators and as well as like our beauty lovers and like the beauty community that exists on the platform. Which is huge. I mean, just to really let people listening understand, like beauty creators like run the creator space in YouTube. I mean, of course, there's gaming creators or all types of creators. But like when I think about creators on YouTube, the very first people that I think of, the people that have been able to make the most money and I think of beauty creators. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's been incredible. And, they, and they're actually the one of the largest groups of creators that have been on the platform, right? Like beauty creators and YouTube are like synonymous at, at this point. And that was actually when we did Beauty Fest, when we launched Beauty Fest last year, that was really our way to pay homage of, to all of the amazing creators that like paved the way and opened up the doors for all those, all the, all the folks that have come behind them. Um, it's a really beautiful legacy. Yes. Now, would you ever start a YouTube page? Do you have one? No. <laughs> no, I don't. And funny enough, my team is always like encouraging me to do it. It's like, Literally, I'm at the point where like I am starting to feel a little aged out as it relates to social media. Like I tried to do the TikTok thing. It was like so challenging for me. I'm like the only platform right now that I can really manage is is Instagram. I've just got too, too many. Maybe when and I don't know that life will slow down, but maybe when I feel like I got a better grip on things, I would do it. Or if I, you know, if I was ever like a full time creator, I would lean into it. But Working like a full-time corporate job that is very demanding, having a having also having a demanding like entrepreneurial, I, I don't, I can't, not right now, but I want to. I feel you. I, I feel like I'm talking to myself right now. I'm in the exact same boat. It's just like to, when people ask me to do YouTube, I'm like, I, I have limits. It's, I can't, I can't do it all. Now, if someone wants to do a job like yours, like I want to work in beauty partnerships one day for a company like YouTube, that's like a dream job for lots of people. What advice would you give them about how to get started or position yourself towards a job like that? Yeah. And, and it's a dream. It's truly a dream job for me. It's a job that I never even knew existed and didn't really choose. Like it just sort of found its way to me. Um, and so I'm like, feel very blessed in that way. If you want to work in a like beauty or fashion at a tech company like YouTube, I think the thing that we really look for is like for people to really, really know the platform well. Like you, it's very competitive now, right? And you know, working at it, working at an Instagram, and or, and, and are, we, are we calling it Meta now? <laughs> we can call it Meta. <laughs> Okay. The competition is heavy out there. We've really, and it's really increased since we've been in COVID. And so being able to uncover like, like really cool, innovative opportunities that help drive like people wanting to engage on the platform, wanting to create a channel, like really understanding like the trends and like what's driving those trends and what's popular and what's in. I mean, every platform right now is trying to target like Gen Z and it makes sense why, 
Um, but there's there's so many other audiences that also need to be continuously engaged. And so I think if you can come with like a really innovative perspective, really show like demonstrate a strong passion for tech and the platform, what the future of it needs to look like, really understand the creative ecosystem. That's somebody that is like very attractive for a team like, you know, what I'm on. Got to be passionate about the creators. <laughs> yes. What's what's an example of like an interview? If you were interviewing for your team, you had an opening. What's an interview question you would ask someone? One thing that I always ask people when I interview, and it, and it may sound simple, but it tells me a lot about them is who is your favorite creator and why? Ooh, I, that's actually a great question. Emphasis on the and why right? Because that is where, where the detail comes, comes alive. As you've asked people that have they struggled to answer sometimes? Mm-hmm. They have, they have, or they'll answer and it'll be what I would consider to be a very superficial answer. Like it, it, it either tells me like, oh, wow, like you've really uncovered something super unique about this particular creator and you have a strong point of view, or like you're just you kind of just went to scam a few videos or maybe, you know, you you looked at the channel before this interview and you're not really coming with anything of depth. Yes, that passion comes through in interviews so clearly. I appreciate you giving us insight into your career. Now, you're a mom, you work full time, you're a content creator, you've got the entrepreneurial, you're busy, busy, busy. What do you do for self-care? Like, what do you do when you're like, OK, I just need some Chanel time right now? Me and my husband purchased a home just over a year ago and really like the only, thank you. Um, the only thing, like the, my, my thing, like in terms of like make or break was the bathroom. The bathroom had to have a, t- a tub that I could feel good about just laying in and it had to have space for all of my products and you know, it needed to feel like a, like a, like a luxurious, relax, relaxing space. And so um, my self-care typically is like, I, I have like a nice little rack that spans across the bathtub. I will pour myself a glass of wine, light a candle, turn on some Sade, wrap my hair up and like, I have a nice, nice soap. And that is my favorite thing to do. Yes. I love that. I'm jealous. I do not have that luxury of a bathtub. Mavi takes his baths literally in our sink, in our kitchen sink, but that's New York City <laughs> living for you. That's New um, York City for you, you know? I lived there for 11 years and had that exact same situation, but I get it. Yes, yes, there are trade-offs. You sit in this really interesting position, again, where you're able to see the way beauty creators are evolving. We've now seen that beauty creators, like even someone like a Hiram or, of course, Jackie Ina with Forever Mood, where beauty creators are now starting their own brands. Where do you think the beauty slash creator space is evolving? Like, what do you think we're going to see in the next couple of years? I think what, I, what we'll see happen most is the pandemic or COVID really changed people's relationship with beauty, or I say their relationship with makeup. And so what you typically know beauty on YouTube is, was like, you know, makeup creators, creators that were showing you how to do like a full beat, you know, a full makeup routine from like start to finish, do really elaborate kind of creative looks and be, you know, leaning full, it's like artistry. I mean, it's like amazing, but a lot of that content like suffered during COVID because people like weren't going anywhere and weren't putting on makeup every single day because they weren't leaving the house. And so a lot of the the folks that were like core, like what we would say, like our pure beauty creators, 
some of them, you know, took took a bit of a hit and had to think about how they would pivot, right? And and then skincare was like on the rise. So that opened up this whole new door for like skin and skincare and I would say wellness creators to really get gain a lot of popularity. So what I think is about to happen is we're gonna see a lot less creators that are like pure one category. You're gonna see a lot more lifestyle sort of creators or maybe like a combination of like niche creators and creators that do multiple things. And so I think that from a beauty lens, um, you're going to start to see more creators lean into fashion. You're going to see them basically lean into other categories, like like vlogging is something that we're really seeing take off. I think you're just going to see them be, just do more things versus just focusing um, on one particular category. That's what I imagine this is evolving into. I love that because I'm, I always see advice where people are like niche down, like niche, niche, niche. And I'm like, but you're not a niche, right? You're like a full person. So if you like cooking and travel and skincare, like you should, you should feel empowered to share all of those things in your social media presence for people that are listening and maybe at the beginning of their content creation journey, or they're thinking about starting a YouTube. Can you just like drop a little tea for us about how much these beauty creators make? Because the numbers are... I mean, you can, you, I mean, of course you have to work at it, work at it, work at it, but you can easily make like four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars as a successful creator just from the platform, not even brand partnerships. Yeah. Just from like, you know, your, your advertising dollars, you know, like I really need to start a channel. Like I need to carve out time to start a channel. What's actually interesting is there was another person who was on my team um, before I got there and has now, it's now considered to be like a, hugely successful creator, like literally went from being what we, we, we call ourselves strategic partner managers um, or SPMs. And he used to be SPM and manage a lot of really, really successful creators and now has become a successful creator himself. And so I just look at that and I'm, I'm always inspired because I think that it's not easy to build a subscriber base or to build a following on any of these platforms. It takes a lot of hard work, dedication, intentionality, and focus. And so knowing, like watching somebody like go from like the the inside out and like make a whole career out of, out of it to the point where now he's being managed by our team, <laughs> it's pretty incredible. So just, I just want to, anybody who's thinking about starting a channel or has started one, but is, is you know, it hasn't really been able to, to, to have the time to, de- to dedicate to like investing in it, do it. Spend a little bit more time on the YouTube platform, get, get your channel going experiment with shorts, you know, anything that is going to allow your kind of creativity and your Our reels competitor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I have to, I have to, I have to plug it because you know, that's a, that's a big product for us now as well. And short form content piece, long form content and vice versa. And you're actually going to work. I think we're going to start to see that on all platforms as well. Yes. Okay. Lo- love, love the tech industry perspective. Had to bring it in here. Um, final question for you, Chanel. When do you feel most beautiful? In my bare skin. So one of the things that I really kind of, for for lack of a better word, preach is feeling beautiful in the skin that you are in, the skin that you were born with. And for me, like being bare, being able to go bare, being, being able to feel confident enough to be bare is when I feel like I am my most beautiful. And that is what I try to channel every single day. I love that. Well, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you this evening. I will drop into the show notes where people can follow you and get all of your amazing skincare recommendations and fashion recommendations and all of the things and also just see your beautiful family. Um, It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Chanel. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been like the, one of the best conversations I've had. I love talking. We, I feel like we could talk for literal hours about any and all things. So thank you for having me. All right, that is a wrap on this week's episode. Wasn't Chanel just so wonderful? I really loved speaking to her. I love the luxurious approach to skincare, but also all of the knowledge she brought to the conversation. I think she is career goals. And I definitely want to spend more time speaking to women that work at this intersection of beauty and tech, because I do think it's a very unique point of view on the beauty industry. So you can look forward to more of those conversations to come. And I'll be back next week with a new episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.